0: American actress, Ariel Winter said, my mother wanted to name me Jackie or Jacqueline, but she got to name my sister and my brother. So my dad and my brother insisted on naming me. And they were big fans of The Little Mermaid. In episode two, we studied soulful numerology and the numeric vibration contained within our date of birth and its influence on our life. We investigated the governing factor. Remember, this was found in our day of birth and it indicates how we may find ourselves reacting to the experiences that life brings us. We also looked at the destiny factor and this is found in the total of all the numbers in our date of birth and it represents our overall goal in life. And remember, we had to reduce that number down to one single number, except where we had a master number of 22 or 11. So that's your refresher for episode two on soulful numbers. Today, we're exploring the power in our name and the overall self-expression found embedded in the numeric vibration of our birth name. Before we start, I'd actually like to say thank you to all the people who've contacted me with additional questions about numerology. There is a weekend numerology workshop on the 23rd and 24th of February because you asked for it. I will offer it again if there's enough interest, but it isn't certain. I create workshops and classes for you based on what you tell me is most helpful, but I'll put a link to this workshop in the show notes, so have a look out for that. In William Shakespeare's play of the same name, Romeo says to his Juliet, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. In this moment of pure connection, Romeo sees the essence of who Juliet is and completely accepts her. In this moment of pure joy, Romeo and Juliet recognize love, embody love, and broadcast love for those of us with eyes to see and ears to hear. They transcend the need for names. They are uniquely themselves. They are love. With beautiful and wonderful words of love and acceptance and how powerfully they still resonate for us hundreds of years later to remind us and teach us of the power of love and the folly of pride and ego and violence. Romeo is emphatic. He doesn't care what Juliet's name is. Unfortunately, her name is Capulet and his name is Montague. And they discover that certainly for their families, names do matter. So if we gave the Montagues and Capulets different names, would the outcome be different? What would need to change for the ending to be a joyous wedding, healing the rift between two families rather than death and bitter lessons? Closer to home, if we'd been given a different name when we were born, would we still be ourselves? If Ariel Winter had been called Jacqueline, would she still be an actress? Would she still be working on the sitcom Modern Families? What's in a name? How much does it influence us? Can our name be used to guide our way forward in life? So before we begin to toss around interesting ideas, let's do a simple visualization. Let's connect to our inner wisdom. Once again, if you're driving a car, please hit pause. Meditation and visualizations do not mix with operating vehicles and heavy machinery but as long as you're not driving the car simply close your eyes and take a few deep breaths becoming more and more relaxed with each breath and then just imagine or visualize walking into the most beautiful and magnificent library remember imagination is a great bridge to spiritual truth so just let yourself imagine there's no right and no wrong And if your critical mind is distracting you, just tell that part of yourself that you're just imagining. You can also ask it to take notes and just say to this part of you, you can analyze this later and feel yourself becoming more and more calm. Letting yourself now experience this wonderful library with its tall lofty ceilings, Light pouring in through arched windows. Windows that are set high in walls lined with books. And in the middle of the room are rows and rows of wooden tables fitted with old-fashioned cradles to hold the books so that we can read them easily. The air is cool and clear and crisp, so pure, just filled with truth and wisdom, serenity and tranquility. Books of all sorts fill the shelves. Books of all shapes and sizes with covers of different colours. Humble books tied closed with strings and the most beautiful manuscripts with illuminated letters and metal clasps. Some of these books almost seem to glow. All sorts of books all filled with truth and love, peace and wisdom. And somewhere here is your book, a book that belongs to you. And you know exactly where it is. It may be high on a shelf and accessible by a wheeled ladder, or it could be tucked into a low corner. Find your book. And as you touch the spine, it falls readily into your hands carrying it back now to a wooden table placing it gently into a cradle and opening the pages this is your book and on one of these pages is your birth name the lettering may be simple or fancy it may be plain or colorful but your name stands out clearly first name middle name, if you have one, and last name. And there's other information on the page as well. It may be images or words, colors. It could also be sounds and smells. Perhaps it's a deep knowingness, or it may be nothing at all. This information relates to the meaning embedded in your name and your soul's mission. Take all the time you need, absorbing any information that presents itself. And then when you're ready, come back to yourself, wriggling your fingers and your toes, reminding yourself you have a physical body in complete control of your body and mind, feeling wonderful, refreshed and relaxed. Knowing that you can come back to your book any time that you like, So take a moment now and reflect upon the information that presented itself to you. It's a very simple visualisation, but it can be really illuminating. What sense do you make of the information you received? And if it's helpful, make some notes. There are many ways to come to an understanding of ourselves. We can study, do research, ask great questions, set experiments, that one's my favorite, meditate, and especially have experiences that engage our hearts and our minds. Intuition is a combination of open heart and open mind. It's unconditional love and the discernment of our higher mind working together. Yes, feeling is necessary. But we must also apply discernment to any information we receive. It pays to double check, to ask for confirmation and use logic while we pay attention to our feelings. Higher truth is usually accompanied by feelings of peace, love and wisdom. Things just seem simple in a way that goes beyond words and makes perfect sense. Conversely, Fear is a warning to our spiritual self, just as pain is a warning to the body. If we feel fear, overly analytical or confused, then the information received is not likely to be either truthful or helpful. And so now, considering what I've just shared with you, let's reflect upon your experience with your visualization. Pause the podcast if you need to, Just have a little think about what was the information you received. What were the feelings associated with it? And apply that discerning mind. Edmund Harold sat at the simple table that served as his office desk and looked up at me. Study what your name means, he said. And when you're lost or confused, do that. Don't be despondent if it takes you a while to work it out. My name, he said, Edmund, means rich protector. It took some time for me to work out that it had nothing to do with money, that my purpose was spiritual benevolence, teaching, mentoring, and sharing the treasure of spiritual knowledge with those who seek me out and simply helping where I can. He nodded at me decisively. Find out what your name means and discover how to apply it in your life in a practical way. Your given name will show you the way forward. Follow it and you will always be on track. I had known since I was young that Anne meant grace But what did grace mean? How could that be applied in my life? My mother had always used my middle name as well. So did that mean that Marie was equally important? I puzzled over what grace meant for many years. I was a dancer and a gymnast in my early years, but I knew it meant more than being graceful. I was familiar with the idea of states of grace as mentioned in the Bible, but I just wasn't sure. How do I put that into play? I discovered that in the dictionary, grace also meant courteous goodwill. Well, great! Given that I was raised to express good old-fashioned manners, that was an easy one to do. And then one day, one of my youth work graduates explained that grace was giving people what they didn't deserve. And as he said it, I recognised myself. Wow! For years, people from all areas of my life had questioned my judgment. What did you do that for? Why did you help them? They didn't deserve it. But I couldn't not help someone in need. And it felt like a benediction and a gift. I had been doing the right thing and living up to my name, being gracious for years without even knowing it. So what steps can you take to discover the power in your name? Researching the history and meaning of your name is the first step. I'll post a link in the show notes and supporting documents just as a beginning point for you. If you follow this with checking the dictionary for the meaning of common words, that's where you're gonna start to understand the meaning and the purpose of your name. For me, this common word was grace. For Edmund, it was benevolence, protection, and that word rich, what did that really mean? Contemplative meditation and visualizations, like we've just done, can be incredibly instructional. And finally, analysing the hidden numbers in your name will reveal your overall self-expression and a couple of other qualities too. So let's get practical. Where's that paper and pencil? Are you ready? So here we go. And remember, there are supporting documents with an example in the show notes. So this conversation is about to get complicated. You might wanna download that first. So you can either refer to the documents in the show notes, or you can create a simple alphanumeric chart by writing the numbers one to nine across the top of the page. And then once you've done that under each number, write a letter of the alphabet. So you'll begin with A under the letter one. Write your alphabet across the page. And when you reach number nine, you should have I. Begin the next row. J comes under the number one. Keep going. There you go. Until you've completed the alphabet. So when correctly charted, our name reveals personal characteristics and gives us insight into our possible reactions to life situations. There are three major lessons found within our name. These are... One, our spiritual purpose, and this represents the path of our higher self. Two, our egoic desire, reflecting the challenge for our lower will. By the way, that's the bit that usually gets us in trouble, does me anyway. And then three, our overall self-expression, and that indicates the way we can best express both our higher and lower self okay you've now got your chart now taking a second piece of paper write your full name at birth in the middle some of us have nicknames some of us have changed our names through marriage or adoption or by choice if you're adopted use the name your adopted parents gave you for those who've been adopted analyzing your birth name will give you some additional insight but it's your adopted name That's where your major lessons are. In all other cases, your major lessons are found within your birth name. The additional names will give you insight into extra challenges. But your birth name is central to your life lessons. Okay, so now you have two sheets of paper. One you've got your grid and on the second you've got your name. Looking at your name, you can see that your name is made up of both vowels and consonants. So what we're going to do now is for every vowel in your name, I want you to find the corresponding number and I want you to write that number above the vowel in your name. This may take you a little while. If you have downloaded the supporting document, you'll find I've used the example Beatrice Macmillan. The vowels in Beatrice correspond to the numbers 5, 1, 9, and five. You will have numbers that represent the vowels in your name, your first name. Once you have those numbers, add them all together. For Beatrice, it comes to a 20. Remember, we're trying to actually reduce everything to one number. So for Beatrice, we add the two and the zero then together and we end up with a two. Now Beatrice doesn't have a middle name poor Beatrice Um, but the as you can tell she's a made-up person otherwise I wouldn't be this facetious so we can go on to the last name but you will now work through your middle name if you have one and then your last name with Beatrice the vowels in Macmillan are nine and one so we add these together to get ten once again we're reducing everything to one number so we add the one with the zero and we arrive at one. So now we have the vowels for Beatrice adding up to two and the vowels in Macmillan adding up to one. When we add these two together, the vowels from the first name and the vowels for the last name, and remember you may have a middle name, we add all of them up together and we end up with a number for Beatrice three. So this number, these vowels, actually refer to spiritual purpose. Now if you go back and have a look at the soulful numbers document that we had for episode two, we've got a whole grid of what all these numbers mean. The qualities, the challenges, the attainments, the themes. And so take some time now. Go back to that document. Have a little bit of a look at what these are for you. In our example, Beatrice's spiritual purpose is three, and this represents self-expression. If she masters self-expression, then her reward will be growth. Maybe you're a three too. Maybe you're something different. Take the time. Now once we've worked on our spiritual purpose, let's look at our egoic desire. And that is represented in our name through all the consonants, okay? So for every consonant in your name, find the corresponding number and write it below the consonant in your name. Work through a very similar process as as you did for the vowels. So the consonants in Beatrice are two, two, nine, and three, and these add up to a seven. The consonants in Macmillan are four, three, four, three, three, and five. And when we add all of those up, we end up with 22. Now, what do we know about 22 and 11? These are master numbers. So we never reduce these numbers. These are dominant vibration. They bring greater challenges into our life. And so these are never reduced. So our egoic desire is a combination of 22 and seven. 22 plus seven is how it's actually written. And this makes Beatrice's egoic desire to be a practical visionary. So take your time now to work through your numbers and discover what your egoic desire is. Remember, this is an expression of the lower will. What is your drive to master on a day-to-day basis? And our final question is, how do we put these qualities into play? What is our overall self-expression? We work this out, we work out our overall self-expression by adding the numbers of our spiritual purpose, that is the numbers hidden in the vowels of your birth name to our egoic desire, the numbers hidden in the consonants of our birth name. We add it all up. In our example, Beatrice's spiritual purpose is three and her egoic desire is 22 plus seven. So when we add all of this together, we get 22 plus seven plus three, which is 22 plus 10. We reduce the 10 to one number, the 22 remains the same, and we end up with 22 plus one. So in this example, Beatrice's overall self-expression, how does she put these beautiful qualities of spiritual purpose an egoic desire into play? Well, she expresses herself through the numbers 22 plus one. Humanitarian leadership. So for the many of the people who come into my clinic who say, I'm lost. I don't know the way forward. I seem out of step with life. I'm just not sure what I should be doing. But I've got this sense that there's a mission for me. I don't know how to work it out. This is one of the ways that you can create insight for yourself and for others. What do your numbers suggest to you as the best way to express your spiritual purpose and egoic desire? Reflect for a minute upon the results. Does this analysis fit with you? Does it fit with your understanding of yourself? This is where your discernment comes into play. Does this analysis give you a deeper insight into automatic actions and reactions like it did for me? Is this a useful framework to guide your way forward? Does it make complete sense or is it not for you? Mathematician Paul Aradosh said, why are numbers beautiful? It's like asking why Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is beautiful. If you don't see why, someone can't tell you. I know numbers are beautiful. And if they aren't beautiful, nothing is. British director Richard Eyre said, Naming a baby is an act of poetry. For many people, the only creative moment in their lives... Edmund Harold said, far from being a whim of the parents, the name which a child is given is suggested by higher minds. What's more, each name has a specific meaning, a fact long acknowledged within ancient civilizations. What is in a name? How much does it influence us? Can our name be used to guide our way forward? The lessons contained within our birth names are of secondary importance to those found in our date of birth. If Ariel Winter had been called Jacqueline, the primary lessons identified by her date of birth would remain the same. Her self-expression and ways of interacting with the world may change, but she is still uniquely who she is. There are many religions belief systems, and even scientific research that tells us we are beautiful and immortal souls, that we have existence and a continuity beyond our physical self, and that our consciousness survives the death of our body. Esoteric philosophy tells us that the soul wisely chooses the moment of birth, and Romeo and Juliet Remind us that we are more than our names. Hopefully, more and more, we are also love. I love getting questions, and I need more of them. You can record your questions on your smartphone and email them to me at anne at annemariemcglasson.com. I'll do my best to answer questions every week. Hi Anne-Marie, why can't I relax? I I work hard during the year and I look forward to taking my annual week or so off, but when I do, I I just can't relax. It it actually starts making me feel guilty and stressed that I'm not enjoying my break. Why is this happening and what should I do to resolve it? That's actually a really beautiful question um, because so many of our deep thinkers and um, intellects Really stress, and it's almost like I'm on holidays, I'm meant to be relaxing, I have performance anxiety about relaxing, what do I do? (laughs) Fortunately, uh, you don't have to keep wrestling with your mind. Your body actually remembers. And so, if you can create an opportunity where you have a quiet moment, sometimes this is less possible with children and pets and all the rest of it, but if you can find yourself a quiet moment and Just take the time to remember when you were deeply relaxed. It might have been when you woke up that morning or it might have been, you know, a wonderful celebration, a moment of perfect peace or it might have been a creative moment. But taking that time to actually remember and let your body remember when you were deeply relaxed Now, sometimes what you can do is you can create an anchor, which is a really interesting thing to do with once you remember and experience and feel and go back into that moment of complete relaxation, you can create an anchor. And so you can decide, okay, I'm going to tug an ear. I'm going to touch two fingers together that I wouldn't normally do. And so that you can during your day with that programming, just reactivate that moment of peace and how you do it is you actually make that feeling of peace incredibly strong in your body and then tug your ear or touch fingers together make it once again really strong feeling tug your ear and then do it a third time so that you can actually reactivate the peace um, as you go through most of the time uh, when we do these sorts of things there is an idea in the back of our head, we're actually sabotaging ourselves. Sometimes it's really worthwhile to have that conversation with ourselves and go, what am I saying to myself? And I'm just gonna have to have a sensible conversation with that part of me. Um, There are many different ways. Some of us have very well developed left brains. Uh, If you are a thinker, if you've had too much university, (laughs) it's too well trained. Um, And so if a couple of these other techniques don't work for you, a beautiful one my personal favorite um, I just sit quietly I imagine a fountain and then I make every thought into a bubble and I blow as many bubbles as I can so sometimes it's not I have to be calm that gets you to a beautiful outcome of being relaxed it's like no I'm going to think as many thoughts as I can um, and you will run out eventually and it doesn't usually take that long thanks for that question that was an, a good one Don't forget to subscribe and I love reading the comments on iTunes. Your requests for spiritual mentoring and storytelling have created something really special, so I hope you enjoy it and if you do, please share with a friend or two. See you next time.